Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast, the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hey guys, welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I always have to resist the urge to say good morning when I kick off these podcasts because I'm always recording early in the morning, but I try to fight that because I know you guys are listening at all times of the day and night, but screw it. It's my show. Good morning. It is a good morning here. You are hanging out with me, your host, Elizabeth Benton, and this topic that we're going to get into today, I have been working on personally for a while. And this is something that very recently has started to majorly improve my life and my health and my fat loss. We are going to be talking about one of the biggest challenges we have in this country, and that is lack of sleep. Now, if you are listening and you're thinking, nah, that's not me, I sleep like a rock, I want you to listen to this because... Yes, this is an issue for people who don't get enough sleep, don't get enough hours of sleep, but many of us are not getting quality sleep. So when we talk about sleep deprivation and the consequences of sleep deprivation, that can come from both lack of a quantity of sleep, but it often happens with either a lack of quality sleep or a combination of a lack of quality sleep plus a lack of quantity sleep. Here's the thing, though, if you can't change the number of hours of sleep you're getting each night, maybe you have young kids that are up or you do shift work, you can improve the quality of your sleep, and that will make a massive difference in your health, in your weight loss, in your energy, in your motivation, just by making some changes that allow us to get into those deeper stages of sleep, stages three and four. I probably don't have to twist your arm on this topic. Insomnia is a straight up epidemic in this country, and a lot of health experts call insomnia the number one health related problem in this country. And I would argue that if we could tackle sleep, if we could get people sleeping better, even if they can't sleep more, we would dramatically, dramatically reduce the epidemic of obesity in this country. And we're going to be focusing on sleep as it relates to fat loss and our ability to lose weight. But obviously, a lack of sleep impacts our health in so many ways. Fat loss aside, sleep deprivation, which again can come from lack of quantity of sleep and lack of quality of sleep, significantly increases your risk of heart disease, cancer, and immune diseases. It is bad news. And for those folks out there that say, I'll sleep when I'm dead, 
I love what Rob Wolf says about this. Rob Wolf is a, is a leader in the paleo community. And he says, if you're one of those people that says, I'll sleep when I'm dead, you're going to get there a whole lot faster. So I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling frustrated already thinking, I have young kids or my dogs wake me up every night or I work shift work, we are going to talk about improving the quality of your sleep, even if you are not able to get a higher quantity of sleep. Get this. It's not surprising really that about a third of Americans say that they have trouble sleeping every night. About half of adults say that they have trouble sleeping at least a few nights a week. But in the last 10 years, in the last 10 years, the number of children taking prescription sleeping pills has jumped by almost 100%. In the last 10 years, kids taking sleeping pills has increased about 90%. That is scary, scary stuff. And about half of all Americans say that lack of sleep impacts their quality of life in a negative way. And we know that this is a problem. But I don't think we understand just how significantly it's impacting our health. Here's why. We're just used to it, right? If we wake up tired, that's just the way it is. That's part of being an adult. It's part of having responsibilities and having things to do. Or if we're experiencing cravings, we think that's just normal or healthy. Or Listen, all that stuff is tied to our sleep quality. And I think many of us have lost even the perspective to think that things could get so much better If we were just getting more restorative sleep, lack of sleep is seriously impacting our health, our longevity, and it's making it way harder than it needs to be to lose weight. If you're a regular listener to the show, you understand, you know, my perspective about hormones and the fat loss game, how hormones are really key when it comes to our ability to burn fat and keep it off. And if you're not a regular listener, go back and listen to episodes one and two, where we talk very specifically about how hormones control your ability to burn fat. In short, and I'll link to these episodes in the show notes over at primalpotential.com, but calories do matter, right? You have to have a calorie deficit, consuming fewer calories than what your body needs, but a calorie deficit alone can slow your metabolism and allow your body to burn muscle tissue instead of fat. So the ability to burn fat is dictated by your hormones. That's why I say that achieving hormone balance is your number one priority if your goal is fat loss. With that said, you know what totally screws with your hormones? Sleep deprivation. And again, this isn't just lack of quantity of sleep. If you're thinking, I'm good, I get seven or eight hours, this is about quality of sleep. And the quantity really doesn't matter at all if you aren't getting quality sleep. You could be sleeping for eight hours a night, but not ever be getting that true restorative quality sleep. The first couple stages of sleep, one and two, is where we get REM sleep. REM stands for rapid eye movement, but it's in stages three and four where our body truly rests and recovers. It's in those stages that the healing and recovery hormones are released, allowing our body to recover, to recharge, and to maintain hormonal balance or improve our hormonal state. If we don't get into those deep stages of sleep, from sleep deprived, uh, being sleep deprived, or not getting enough quantity of sleep, then we're not giving our body what it needs. And we're going to talk in detail about specific ways to improve your sleep habits to allow yourself to get into those deeper stages of sleep. But first, we need to talk about what happens when we don't get into those restorative stages of sleep, or we're not getting enough sleep. 
and to understand how your body handles the natural rhythm of sleep-wake cycles, we have to talk about two hormones. And it always seems to come back to hormones, doesn't it? The two key hormonal players when it comes to sleep are cortisol, which we've talked about before. That's one of our stress hormones. And melatonin, which for simplicity's sake, we'll classify as our sleep hormone. When we wake up in the morning, as I've talked about before, our cortisol is at its daily peak. And it makes sense when you think about it. Cortisol peaks in the morning to help you naturally wake up and feel ready for the day. Cortisol levels should continue to drop throughout the day. That is their natural ebb and flow. They're at their lowest level and should be unless your your lifestyle or your stress impairs that process. They're at their lowest level before bed and that's what helps you fall asleep. Melatonin, the sleep hormone, works in the opposite way. You have to think of melatonin and cortisol like a seesaw, like like insulin and glucagon are like a seesaw. Melatonin works opposite of cortisol. It's very low in the morning and it rises and peaks at night. Makes sense, right? It helps you to fall asleep. Unfortunately, we screw with this cycle and that is one of the reasons that we have trouble falling asleep or trouble getting into those deeper stages of sleep because what allows us to get into those deeper stages of sleep and stay there is the release of melatonin. So let's look at some of the ways that we mess with this rhythm of melatonin and cortisol. Think about it from this standpoint. I said it's like a seesaw. So when we raise cortisol, we suppress melatonin. And when we raise melatonin, we suppress cortisol. Stress, chronic stress is a way that we suppress melatonin. Chronic stress produces cortisol, and then we prevent ourselves from getting into those deeper stages of sleep when we're chronically stressed because our cortisol is always elevated, which means our melatonin is suppressed. Chronic carbohydrate consumption is another way that we suppress melatonin. Why? What does carbohydrate have to do with melatonin? Because chronic carbohydrate consumption is a stress-producing event in the body. It raises our cortisol production. And it's a seesaw when we raise cortisol, we're suppressing melatonin. And I'm not talking about a sweet potato or the occasional cookie. I'm talking about regular consumption of processed foods and processed sugars with most of our meals and snacks. The typical American diet, that's what it looks like. And that is a major stressor on the body that raises cortisol levels, suppressing melatonin. Exercise. Exercise is great for you, right? But it is most forms of exercise are anywhere from mildly uh, impacting cortisol to significantly impacting cortisol. There are certain types of exercise that raise cortisol and keep it elevated for longer than is ideal. And those are like your chronic cardio types of workouts, moderate intensity, long duration, or high intensity, long duration. You absolutely don't want to be doing this type of workout or really any type of workout within a few hours of bedtime. Okay. So the more, the earlier in the day that you can work out, the less you're going to mess with your cortisol cycle, right? Now, it's, it's perfectly fine to work out in the early afternoon, in the late afternoon, or even the early evening, but you definitely don't want to be working out within a few hours of bedtime because you're going to raise your cortisol levels and that's going to suppress melatonin at the time where you really want the opposite effect to be happening. Now, this is one thing that I think a lot of people don't know about, but is one of the major, major suppressors of melatonin, and that is light exposure. 
it makes a lot of sense. I, I like to think of things from sort of a common sense perspective of how our body operates. The light tells your body that it is daytime. And in the daytime, that is going to suppress your melatonin production. Your body's saying, there's lots of light here, so it's daytime. Let's suppress that melatonin and jack up the cortisol. There is one type of light that is most notorious for suppressing melatonin, and this gets us into a lot of trouble. And it is blue light. And maybe you're thinking, well, I mean, unless there's a cop car behind me, I'm not seeing a lot of blue light, but that's actually not where, where blue light comes from. Blue light, the most common sources of blue light, doesn't appear blue to us. It's coming from our electronics, your TV, your iPhone, your iPad, your computer. And most of us, at least in the last you know, 10, 15 years, are on those devices until bedtime, literally, like right up until the moment we turn off our phone and close our eyes, we've got that blue light exposure we're often on those devices in bed. And you might be thinking, well, I watch TV, you know, in my room or on my iPad until I fall asleep and I fall asleep just fine. But remember, this isn't just about falling asleep. This is about having enough melatonin production to take you into those deeper stages of sleep where healing and restoration happens, right? And hormone balance happens. I don't want you to think, oh, well, what do I do? Do I have to put these devices away three hours before bed? You know, I work or, you know, I talk on the phone or whatever it is. There are some hacks that we will talk about to reduce your exposure to blue light from these types of devices. And we'll get into that. And if you're somebody, it's not just blue light, it's really any light in general. And if you are somebody who thinks, well, I wear an eye mask to bed, so if there's light in my bedroom or if my, my spouse or my partner is watching TV, it's no big deal. Here's something I want to point out. It is a big deal because your skin has photoreceptors. Your skin can sense the light. And so if there is any light in your room, even if you're wearing an eye mask or you're laying on your stomach so you can't you know, see the light, your skin can sense the light and it sends the signal to your body that it is daytime and that suppresses melatonin production. This really shouldn't come as a surprise to you. Again, when we go back to that common sense approach, think about it. Of course, your skin can sense the light. You can, you can get a sunburn in the sun, right? Your skin obviously has these photoreceptors. In the presence of sunlight, your body converts cholesterol to vitamin D. So our skin can change color as a result of the light. You have to sleep in total darkness. This is super important to having the melatonin production that you need to get into these deeper stages of sleep. And we'll talk about some of these strategies uh, when we get to the practical implementation part. Melatonin suppression, just like overall sleep deprivation, has been linked to many, many different diseases, including obesity in clinical research. When we have suppressed melatonin production, it has been linked to obesity, diabetes, cancer, and heart disease. So this is something very serious. And fortunately for us, it's very easy to overcome. There are a lot of things we can do to support our body's natural cortisol melatonin rhythm. There's another hormone that is super important when it comes to sleep. And this hormone, I call it the master fat loss hormone, as do a lot of other experts in the field. And Sleep deprivation and lack of quality sleep totally screws with this hormone. And this is the master fat loss hormone we're talking about, insulin. Sleep deprivation, issues related to a lack of quantity of sleep and a lack of quality of sleep. 
totally messes with insulin. And remember that insulin is what dictates whether you're in fat storing mode or fat burning mode. And we've talked a lot about insulin in previous episodes. I will link to them in the show notes at primalpotential.com. Remember that insulin is released in response to high blood sugar. And as long as insulin is working, doing its job of ushering that sugar out of the blood and taking it to storage, your body cannot and will not burn fat. So the longer it takes for insulin to do its job, the longer you are out of fat burning mode and in fat storing mode. And remember too, that insulin triggers hunger and cravings. So the longer that insulin's hanging around, the more hunger and cravings you have and you're not burning fat. So how does sleep influence insulin? There are so many studies on this, it's pretty crazy, and they are all consistent in showing that sleep deprivation, again, from a lack of quantity of sleep or a lack of quality of sleep or both, causes insulin resistance. That means that it takes more insulin and a longer amount of time for your tissues to respond to it. Of course, that means you stay in fat storage mode for longer and out of fat burning mode for longer, and you are more prone to hunger and cravings. Get this, just four nights, just four nights, this is a result of extensive research, four nights of moderate sleep deprivation causes your fat cells to be 30% less responsive to insulin, and your overall tissues, we're talking about like muscle and things like that, decrease insulin sensitivity of 15% in just four nights of moderate sleep deprivation. And remember, we've talked about when your body efficiently responds to insulin, that means you get back to fat burning mode faster. So when your body is less responsive, you're keeping your body in fat storing mode. And this is showing us that just moderate sleep deprivation for a matter of a couple of days can make you as insulin resistant as a type two diabetic. And this is a major health issue, it's a major fat loss issue, and it is part of the vicious cycle of experiencing hunger and cravings and feeling like you can't get out of that cycle. So some studies have biopsied fat cells after moderate sleep deprivation and found that they require up to three times more insulin in order to respond after sleep deprivation than in well-rested individuals. That is a huge problem and it has compounding effects. It has compounding effects because you're not burning fat, you're storing fat, and you're more hungry and having more cravings. So you can see that this is a really vicious cycle. Then when you're eating more and you're storing more fat and you're producing more insulin, then you're becoming more and more insulin resistant. So it just becomes this vicious cycle. So we've talked about cortisol, we've talked about melatonin, and we've talked about insulin, but those aren't the only hormones at play here. Remember guys, hormones are the key when it comes to fat loss. Sleep deprivation also increases production of the hormone ghrelin. You might remember from previous episodes that ghrelin is your hunger hormone. So the less quality sleep you have or the less quantity sleep you have, the more hungry you are. This is in large part because you haven't given your body enough time to rest and recharge so your body's energy demands are higher because it hasn't recovered. It has to get its energy from somewhere. It's not able to recharge because you aren't getting that quality of sleep. So how does it get that energy? By triggering hunger and cravings, especially cravings for carbohydrates because your body knows that's what's going to give it the quickest burst of energy. On top of that, sleep deprivation decreases 
production of the hormone leptin. Leptin is our satiety hormone that tells us that we're full and satisfied. It triggers your satiety, feelings of fullness. Sleep deprivation, either a lack of quality of sleep or lack of quantity of sleep, means that fewer satiety signals are being sent, so we are more prone to overeating because we don't feel full. And we're not done yet. Sleep deprivation makes the pleasure center in your brain, which is called the nucleus accumbens, more sensitive to food rewards. Again, this is because it hasn't rested and recharged. It hasn't benefited from those deeper stages of sleep. So it's more responsive to food rewards. And this just plays into that vicious cycle that I talked about. Sleep deprivation also triggers excess production of another stress hormone called neuropeptide Y. And when you have more neuropeptide Y, you have more hunger and more cravings. So think about it. You're tired, right? You're more hungry, you have more cravings, you're more sensitive to food rewards, you aren't experiencing satiety, you're in fat storing mode, and you're compounding your insulin resistance. All from sleep. If we can just make an improve, think about it for a second, right? Think about it for a second. If we can just improve the quality of our sleep, we can become more responsive to insulin, which means we'll spend more time in fat burning mode and less time in fat storing mode. We'll have fewer cravings. We'll have less hunger. We'll have more energy and we won't be as prone to food rewards, right? We won't get as much um, of of a thrill from food rewards. And that's without, guys, that's without changing anything in our diet or our exercise routine. This is just by improving our quality of sleep. Do you understand how powerful it is how powerful it is. And I mean, we could do an entire episode on the cognitive and emotional consequences of lack of sleep, right? It's not debatable that our willpower is not as accessible when we're tired, that we struggle with focus, that we have more mood swings. Those are all direct results of the hormonal implications of not getting enough sleep and not getting quality sleep. But even just from a hunger, cravings, and fat burning standpoint, we can make massive improvements regardless of what we're changing with our food, regardless of what we're changing with our activity, even just by changing the quality of our sleep. That is powerful. That is absolutely powerful. So now I want to get into the real practical stuff, how you can today, right now, make changes that are going to help you get more from your sleep and get into these deeper stages of sleep so that you're getting these restorative benefits that you need to be more sensitive to insulin, to have fewer cravings, to have less hunger, to have more energy. All right. We talked about fitness and we talked about how working out before bed is going to elevate our cortisol and with the seesaw effect of melatonin and cortisol, that's going to suppress our melatonin production. When we suppress melatonin production, we inhibit our ability to the degree that we are increasing cortisol, we inhibit our ability to get into those deeper stages of sleep. So work out earlier in the day if you are working out. That doesn't mean you have to work out first thing in the morning. Don't worry about it. That's not what I am saying. You, But the earlier, the better in terms of cortisol production. There's nothing wrong with working out in the afternoon or the early evening, but you probably do want to have it be your your shorter duration, higher intensity activities that don't have such an impact on cortisol production. And then your chronic cardio type things, the long duration, moderate to high intensity, say like training for a marathon or something like that. You probably want to do that a little bit earlier in the day because that is going to have a more dramatic impact on cortisol. But at a minimum, 
skip the workouts within a few hours of bedtime. All right. That's one thing that's going to help with this rhythm of cortisol and melatonin. The next thing you want to do, and this, I I have done this and all of these things I'm talking about, I have personally done them either a long time ago or, or very, some of them have changes I've made very recently, but probably two years ago, I got blackout curtains. Now, These aren't expensive. You can go on Amazon and you can get blackout curtains for like twenty or thirty dollars. And even if you if you you can't have spend the twenty or thirty dollars, find a way to block the light coming through your windows. Right? Even if it's just from a neighbor's uh, porch light or from a street light, you don't want any light coming in. Remember that your skin has photoreceptors and can sense the light. And in response to light, your body is going to suppress melatonin production because it thinks it's daytime. So invest in blackout curtains and keep any other sources of light in your bedroom blocked. All right. It is not enough to wear an eye mask because your skin has those photoreceptors. So invest in some blackout curtains. It is really, really important. And these are all things that you should do if you have children as well, right? Because you want them getting the deep stages of sleep. So you want to make sure that they are sleeping in a completely dark environment as well. Keep the devices out of your bedroom, the iPhone, the iPad, get them out because they are emitting light. You definitely don't want to be on them as you're getting ready for bed or really even within the next couple of hours. However, I am somebody that goes to bed early, so I am often working until right up until bedtime, so I'm on my computer. One thing that you can do, there is a software and it is free and it is called Flux, F dot L-U-X. And I will link to it in the show notes on primalpotential.com, but it's called Flux, F dot L-U-X. And what it does, you put in your time zone, right? So I'm on the East Coast and you put in your time zone and as the sun sets, it changes the light emitted from your computer and you, it's also for uh, iPhones, iPads, um, and I believe it works on PCs too. I'm pretty sure it does. Uh, and it changes the light from blue light to orange light. So you will notice a difference. Your screen kind of gets a little bit dimmer and it gets a little bit of an orange hue. And then when the sun rises, your computer automatically goes back to its normal emission of blue light. And then again, when the sun sets, it goes back to that, to that orange light. So that is another thing that you can do. And I would recommend that for everybody. I just downloaded this a few weeks ago, and I noticed that when that light changes from my computer, it's like my body kind of knows, up. Oh, it must be almost bedtime. And I noticed that I start to get a little bit more tired when that happens. Um, I also got a different light for my bedroom. I got a rock salt light but there are lots of different lights that you can get. And you just want to make sure that you have more natural hues, dimmer lights, um, orange light if you can. And the rock salt light is a good way to do that so that you don't have either blue light in your bedroom or just any type of like bright fluorescent light. If you're somebody that likes to read in bed, you want those more muted lights. The other thing that I recently did, and I got these for $5 on Amazon, you can get these like little sunglasses and they're orange tinted. And so this way, if I'm watching a movie before bed or I'm just doing things around the house where I have normal fluorescent lights, it blocks that, um, those brighter rays of light and it kind of gives everything a little bit of an orange hue. And so you aren't 
uh, suppressing your melatonin as much when you wear these glasses. They're only five bucks. And so if I'm, if I'm going to be staring, especially at a TV, watching a movie or something where there's that blue light that suppresses melatonin the most, I'll just wear these. And yeah, I look like a little silly, but what do I care? If, hey, listen, if it may, means that I'm getting into those deeper stages of sleep and that's impacting my health and my energy and my hunger and my cravings and my insulin sensitivity, like I care about a pair of $5 glasses making me look like a dork. Doesn't matter to me at all. The other thing that you can do is work as much as you can with your natural body's cycle. So as early as you can, expose yourself to natural light. Step outside for two or three minutes and let that natural light soak into your skin so that your body knows, all right, it's daytime, and then limit your light exposure exposure after the sun goes down. Just try and kind of keep with the normal cycle of your body. You don't have to sit in the dark, obviously, but, you know, just try to make small improvements are going to make a big difference. The other thing is limiting caffeine. Now, obviously, caffeine is a stimulant. Caffeine increases your cortisol. People have different sensitivities to caffeine, and that's based on their metabolism, the efficiency of their metabolism. Um, So caffeine has a half-life of about five to six hours. What does that mean? Let's say that at noontime, you have a grande Americano that has 250 or so uh, milligrams of caffeine in it. Six hours later, because of the half-life of caffeine, you still have 112 or whatever, uh, half of, if it has 225 milligrams of caffeine, you've got half that in your system six hours later. Six hours after that, you've got half of that right? Six hours after that, you've got half of that. So you want to limit your caffeine consumption after a certain time of the day. Most people will be fine if they're limiting their caffeine after noon or 2 p.m. Some people are less sensitive to caffeine and they can drink it till later in the day. Other people are more sensitive and maybe need to stop at 10 a.m. But either way, understand that caffeine is a stimulant. Caffeine will increase your cortisol and cortisol and melatonin work like a seesaw. And melatonin production is required to get us into those deeper stages of sleep. So you want to make sure that you are working with that as much as possible and not doing anything later in the day that is really going to jack up your cortisol. So caffeine has a half-life of about five to six hours, which means five to six hours after you've consumed your caffeine, about half of that caffeine is still in your system. Does that make sense? I hope so, because I can't see if it doesn't. So let me know. The other thing is to be careful with supplements. Many of you might be thinking, well, if melatonin is what gets me into these deeper stages of sleep, I'm just going to pump myself full of melatonin supplements. When you do that, and, and, and that works for some people, and that's fine, everybody's different, but when you supplement with melatonin, your body decreases its own production of melatonin. So while it might work for some people, You really will get best results when you naturally manage your body's own production of melatonin, and you don't really want to mess with your body's rhythms unless you really need to. So it's better off to start with strategies that are going to help you maintain the natural rhythm of cortisol and melatonin, as opposed to kind of, you know, playing scientist and artificially amping up your melatonin while suppressing your body's production. And here's the other thing that's tricky about that. When you supplement with melatonin, not all of it is bioavailable to your body. So not all of it is going to be used. So you might be suppressing your body's production of melatonin and not really getting all of the benefits of the melatonin supplement that you're taking. So if you are going to take a supplement, make sure it's a high quality supplement, make sure it's highly bioavailable. 
And I mean, it really shouldn't be your sort of like go-to long-term strategy. The other thing you can do to help your body get into those deeper stages of sleep is to sleep in a cool environment, all right? The ideal um, temperature for sleep is between 60 and 68 degrees. And I know a lot of you are thinking that's probably freezing and it is pretty chilly, but even reducing the temperature by a couple of degrees. So if you're sleeping at 72, going to 71 or 70 is going to give a big benefit. And this is actually tied to your melatonin production because as your body temperature drops, as you fall asleep, especially when you're in a cool environment, your body upregulates melatonin production. So it sort of responds to this drop in temperature, which makes a lot of sense, right? The temperature um, outside tends to drop at night. And so your body responds to that natural drop by upregulating melatonin production. So you, you don't want to work against nature by, you know, being a grizzly bear all bundled up in your flannel with 47 comforters and the heat at 74 because your body is not getting the signal, okay, it's later in the day, the temperature is starting to drop, let's produce more melatonin. So if you are somebody that gets really cold at night and so you jack up the, the temperature and you, you know, bundle up, consider it's usually our extremities, our hands and our feet that get cold. Um, consider just wearing some socks. But even if you make a d temperature change of one or two degrees, you're going to make a difference. So definitely do that. Guys, I, you know, I know we covered a lot. The good news here is that there is a ton that you can do to improve the quality of your sleep, even if you are not um, having any changes in the total quantity of your sleep. So some things that you can do, and again, these will all be over on the show notes page at primalpotential.com, work out uh, earlier in the day and at least not within a few hours of bedtime. Make sure your room is completely dark. It should be a cave. Blackout curtains block all sources of incoming light. Keep the devices out of the bedroom and consider things like flux for your computer screens or the little orange glasses or just kind of just limiting your exposure to artificial light after the sun goes down. Limiting your caffeine intake later in the day, being very careful with supplementation, sleeping in a cool environment. I hope this was helpful. I hope you will try out a few of these things. They've been very, very effective for me, and I'm noticing a big difference. If you have questions, reach out and let me know. If you want to know more about hormones and fat loss and different strategies that you can do to optimize your fat burning, I have my hormone protocol available on primalpotential.com. It's 50 pages of information on how your hormones influence fat loss and specific dietary and lifestyle strategies that you can put into place to optimize your hormonal balance for fat loss. So you can find that over on Primal Potential underneath the shop tab. And if there are questions I can answer for you, if there are topics you want me to cover, get in touch with me. Find me on the Primal Potential Fat Loss Facebook page, uh, reach out to me on primalpotential.com, or you can always email me directly. If you're one of the people that's already done that, you know I respond and I answer your questions. So I might even answer them here on the show. So get in touch with me. And until next time, guys, stay healthy. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. 
It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save 